0: So today we're concluding our series uh, that we've been in those last four weeks called Pillars. And uh, the title for today's message is Why We Gather. And I'm going to be honest with you this morning. Um, I'm exhausted. (laughs) Yesterday was a a rough day, but last night was perhaps one of the roughest nights uh, since little Fernie has appeared in our lives. Um, and so I need to be here this morning. I needed to gather because I need the strength and support of my family in Christ. And I'm glad that you're here uh, to help with that for me. So that's the whole reason we gather. (laughs) Now there's more to it. We're going to get to that Uh, next week to give you an idea of where we're going. We're going to begin a new series entitled Ruth, a redemption story. And in that series, we're going to see how the book of Ruth fits into the larger uh, redemption story of the scriptures. And we're going to see about this woman, Ruth, who was a Moabite woman, an enemy of God, who was brought in to the family and lineage of Christ. And what that tells us about our own redemption story. We're going to read about a man named Boaz, and uh, he is the kinsman-redeemer, a type and shadow of Christ. So I'm excited about that series. I think it's going to be really good. Uh, We're going to be in that series for about five weeks uh, with a doxology Sunday thrown in the middle of that, and then before you know it, Christmas shall be here. So uh, yeah, 2022 is, is going by quickly, huh? But over the last four weeks, we've had a chance uh, not only to go over our four values, but to hear updates from the missionaries, church plants, the organizations um, that we support as a church. And I hope that that has been encouraging to you uh, to see the many ways we've connected with others as they seek to be the aroma of Christ around the world doing a variety of things, uh, whether it is planting a church, whether it's providing clean water, whether it is uh, providing um, support for expecting mothers up in the city. Uh, we, we've partnered with these people, these organizations, um, these networks, to to expand the, the vision of Grace Life. They're doing things that we're maybe unable to do in certain Situations or certain areas. Um, and I'm glad that we've had the chance to maybe put a, a picture of a face to a name or, you know, hear an update from some. Um, I, I hope that has been a blessing to you. We've looked at the four pillars or values of Grace Life Church. These are four areas that we see as foundational to the life of the church here at Grace Life. They are gospel, community, mission, and family. And the gospel serves as the foundational pillar, the, the Uh, Pillar of all the other pillars, so to speak. The gospel is also the lens that we see these other values through. It's because of the gospel, Christ's finished work on the cross, that we've been adopted into God's family and find ourselves placed into this community. Not just of other believers, but now brothers and sisters to each other. And it's in this community being shaped by the gospel that we are encouraged to love and serve one another. And in this new life, we experience uh, the the blessing of Christ, the grace that he so freely offers. And as we do, we display God's great love to the unbelieving world around us as the fragrance of Christ, as the scripture says, both unto life and unto death. And this morning, we're going to focus on uh, why we gather. And though this isn't one of our values um, I think that it is valuable, and uh, there is a section on our website about our gatherings um, to give visitors and others a, an idea of what it is that happens here at Grace Life in a, in a gathering. As well, I'm going to unpack a little bit about what I mean by the phrase, the ordinary means of grace. So this morning we're going to look at two things, the ways we gather and the purpose of the gathering. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your wonderful mercy and grace this morning. And Father, uh, I just placed myself at the front of the, the line for need this morning. And, uh, I just ask that you would speak through me, give me strength and clarity of mind and as well give all of us ears to hear this morning that we would receive, uh, from you, Lord, that we would receive grace, abundant grace, and that we would be filled Lord, I just thank you for all that you're doing, all that you've done throughout these last few weeks, and ask that you would continue to build us on your foundation, the foundation of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the ways we gather. What are the ways we, the believers of Grace Life, uh, gather? We gather on Sunday mornings, obviously. Our Sunday gatherings are a time of singing, prayer, and hearing preaching that is centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a time of celebration of what Jesus has done. And it leads us into our week, resting in the sufficiency of Christ. Our Sunday gatherings are a big part of our weekly rhythms. I also feel like I'm preaching over here because everybody is sitting over here today. (laughs) (laughs) So I often will talk about our Sunday gatherings, our Sunday services, as a celebration. They are a coming together, if you will, of the entire church community here at Grace Life. Um, it's kind of like a family get-together. We're reminded of who we are in Christ. We're encouraged to love one another. Uh, we, we sing together. We fellowship together. I actually love it when before service, after service, or you know even during the break, uh, when people are loud and talking and filling up this small space with lots of volume. That's a good thing. I even like it when it pushes all the way up to eleven o'clock and we're sitting here going, well I guess we'll start. You know, maybe Nate, maybe Nate, just, just start singing. That's a good thing. You guys want to be together. That's a good thing. And so we come together, but I you know, the focus of this message actually is not the Sunday gathering. While I definitely don't want to minimize the Sunday gathering because I I do enjoy it and think it's important, it's a good thing for us to do, uh, it just isn't actually the focus of this message. And it's also not the whole life of the church. Today I really want to highlight the other gatherings taking place and what they look like. I want to encourage you uh, to dive deeper into the life of the body here at Grace Life through grace groups. That's just what we call our smaller gatherings, our smaller groups, grace groups. I want to encourage you to be a part of one. Find one that meets relatively close to your area and connect with that. And it's in this where you can grow in grace together with brothers and sisters in Christ. You can connect at a deeper level. They meet throughout the week. A gospel-shaped culture will be one where we can be honest and we can be known by each other. By gathering and sharing life, we begin to see that it's okay to not be okay. And, of course, the rest of that phrase is it's not okay to be okay with not being okay. It's okay to not be crushing it, so to speak. I can tell you this morning, I am not crushing it. (laughs) Last night was a very challenging night, and by God's grace might make it through today. We can struggle together through things. We can bear each other's burdens. We can share the struggle that we're going through with others. We can discuss the scriptures and the messages. We can disagree on things without breaking fellowship. We can offer encouragement and at times correction to each other. Perhaps you struggle to connect at that level. I just want to encourage you, there's more grace. I encourage you to be part of these gatherings and just see what happens. There's liberty to how each grace group operates. Our groups pray and fellowship together. Some groups discuss the messages. Some work through various topics or studies. Someone might come with something the Lord has given them to share. Perhaps someone comes with a song. Or a word of encouragement. Some meet for shorter periods of times and some gather throughout the year. Some share a meal. Others share a snack or maybe not at all. As well, there's other ways to gather. D-groups, Man Cave, and the Women's Bible Study are all places where people can come together for growth in the scriptures and discipleship together. Growing in the gospel together. In some of these gatherings, people feel more freedom to share the burdens that they're going through, that they're carrying, the struggles that they're going through, the strongholds in their lives. And I love how I've seen over the last year how people are growing in the freedom to share the burdens that they're they're going through, the things that they're dealing with. There are strong relational bonds being established, and that's a wonderful thing. I love hearing of the other more organic ways that people have found to gather. This summer, um, many of you kayaked together when it wasn't raining. And sometimes you kayaked when it was. I know some of the women have been gathering for a walk on Saturday mornings. I know because yesterday I had Fern at McDonald's and we struggled. (laughs) I love hearing of the different ways that people are gathering, whether it's in their homes, hanging out, spending time together, praying for each other, whether it's two and threes or whether it's 35. I don't know. However that looks. You know, in the New Testament church, uh, the, the church gathered in various ways. We see them gathering in homes, on the beach. That's a church I would love to be a part of. I, could we move to the beach during the summer at least? Down at Canisius or something? They met in in synagogues. They met in the temple. They met in porticos, whatever that is. And great halls. Throughout the history of the church, God's people have gathered under trees, in fields, in caves, and in buildings. The location doesn't matter as much as whether the central message is the good news of Jesus Christ and the building up of one another. Matthew eighteen twenty says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. I have to be honest, I've used this passage in the past really only in connection with church discipline. And it for sure is connected to that. But there is a broader uh, application to that passage for the believer. There's a general principle here. Whether our gatherings are just two or three people or 3,000 people, Christ is there. He is present through the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Christ is in you. And so when you're gathered together, you can be certain that he is there in the midst. You can be confident that he is with us. And it can take so many different shapes, whether it's coffee and prayer, whether it's families getting together, maybe for dinner or for a barbecue or something, getting together to play games or watch a movie together. These regular, ordinary life types of gatherings are full of the spirit and relational community it's where discipleship is taking place as we disciple one another. It's not that Sunday gatherings are spiritual and all these other gatherings are not. They're all spiritual because Jesus is there. Consider the story of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus found in Luke 24. Uh, We're not actually going to turn there. You can uh, look it up at your leisure These two disciples are walking to Emmaus. And then the scripture says that Jesus drew near to them and walked with them. And it was about a seven mile journey. And over the course of this walk, Jesus shows how all the scriptures were speaking about him. They finally get to their destination. They sit down and it says that he breaks the bread. And then he vanished. And their eyes were opened. And they said, didn't our hearts burn within us? Jesus was present, even if they weren't aware in the moment. It took a little while for their eyes to be opened. But it says their hearts burned within them. When we come together, Jesus is present. He is with us, just as he was with those two disciples. And it's through the Holy Spirit. I can't tell you the number of times that I've left either our Sunday gathering or the grace group that meets on Tuesday nights here, Or just fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Christ and I've walked away and it literally felt like my heart was on fire. And it wasn't just the heartburn. (laughs) It's that resurrection life coming alive as we fellowship around Christ. I don't regret ever getting together with my brothers and sisters. There are times when it is like pulling teeth to get me out the door. And sometimes I put on a good face and I say, when someone says, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. I want to move past that. You know, probably you guys are already annoyed with me this morning, the amount of people who have asked me if I was doing all right. And I said, no, not today. I want to be with my brothers and sisters. We've referenced this passage already in this series, but let's look again at Acts 2 They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. What I want to draw your attention to in this passage this morning is the ordinariness of the fellowship of these early believers. Luke records that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That is the teaching of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the gospel. Jesus was the center. He was the center of their teaching. They looked at the Old Testament, because that would have been all they had as far as scripture. They looked at the Old Testament, and they looked for Christ in the Old Testament, and they taught about Christ. Their focus was not performance or the believer's progress. It was not a hyper inward focus on how much we've progressed or the improving of our lives. It was a devotion to remembering what Christ has done. And from that, from that source, everything else that we see in that passage flows. What flows out of that is the devotion to fellowship. Being devoted to the breaking of bread and the prayers. The breaking of bread here is, I believe, both about the Lord's table and sharing meals with each other. They gathered. I believe what is in sight in verses 42 and 46 is not just gathering on the Lord's Day Sunday. Yes, that was happening. But relational community. Gathering in each other's homes. Gathering in normal, ordinary ways. What is happening in these short few verses is really miraculous. This isn't something that just happens naturally. It's supernaturally. Occurring. Because of the gospel, people who were strangers become family and they devote themselves to one another, encouraging one another, building one another up, stirring each other up to good works. God did this and He's doing that here at Grace Life as well. This is why gathering is so important. It is ordinary, there is nothing spectacular about getting together. It's a pretty ordinary thing. But it is a means of God's grace. God causes the ordinary means of his grace to make an extraordinary impact on you and I. Some of you have come from traditions that taught you to seek the extraordinary in order to experience God in some way. That there was always something better, richer, fuller, Or greater, and it was always to come. It was never present. It was always to come. You just needed to find it or seek God more. Be more committed. Be more devoted. Be more earnest to God. I'm telling you that God is not playing catch me if you can. You have everything you need in Christ, and you have the life of Christ within you now. And because of that, you have freedom in Christ. We're free to gather. We're free to spend life together. We're free to do that in different ways. God has blessed his children with a means of receiving his grace. And as we gather, the way that this looks is we read the scriptures. We pray. We sing together. We hear the proclamation of the word about Christ. We display the good news through the Lord's table or in baptism. These are the ordinary means of grace, and they are simple, and they are life-changing. So when we receive and participate in these blessings, we are, as Jonathan Edwards puts it, laying ourselves in the way of allurement. That is to joyfully position yourself in the path of Christ's promised power. So again, I encourage you to gather. Gather together as often as you're able. Get in a group or another gathering. Get together with your brothers and sisters in Christ and just lay yourself in that path of allurement. Lay yourself in Christ's promise power. Let's look at the purpose of the gathering. Having, having seen what a gathering is, we can now look at why we gather. The purpose for the gathering. I want to begin by saying this. The gathering... Uh, Gathering together, assembling together, whether it's on Sundays or throughout the week, is important. But it would be dangerous to say that if you don't gather, you're not a Christian. And so we definitely want to avoid that type of idea. That somehow gathering together proves to everybody else that you're a Christian. And if you don't gather together, well then somehow you're out of the family. That is just not true. Some believers find themselves in situations where they cannot gather. Some are imprisoned. Some have health issues preventing them from gathering. And so your salvation is not contingent upon gathering. You don't get saved or stay saved by faith plus getting together on Sundays, getting together on Tuesdays. It's faith in Christ. Amen. And so I want to remind you that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 1. So if you're unable to gather, there's no condemnation. However, I do want to highlight that it is a good thing. And we are encouraged and exhorted in Scripture to gather. I want to highlight three reasons why we gather. Three purposes of the gathering. First, I won't spend time on this much, but we gather to center or recenter around the gospel. All I want to say here is that the gospel is the foundation of our gathering, whether it's our Sunday gathering or a walk with a friend. Sometimes it's in a direct word of encouragement and sometimes it's a hug. It's just good to enjoy one another's company. And one of the reasons we gather, one of the purposes we gather is so that we can remind each other and recenter, recalibrate our lives around the message of grace. Second, we gather for health and support. Hebrews ten nineteen through 25 says this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the writer of Hebrews is saying here that we have confidence because of the blood of Jesus to enter holy places. In the new covenant, there's now no veil separating us between ourselves and God. Under the old covenant, if you wanted to go to the holy place, you had to be a priest. If you wanted to enter the holiest of holies, you had to be the high priest. And you could enter once a year after atonement had been made for your sins. And then they tied a rope to you because you might drop dead. You had bells on your garments so that they could make sure you're still living. And once a year, with fear and trembling, you would enter the presence of God, sprinkling the blood on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And the curtain that divided everyone from God's presence was thick. And I I can't remember off the top of my head, but I want to say it was um, more than a foot thick. I could be wrong, but it, it was thick. And when Jesus died, it was rent. It was torn from top to bottom. Signifying that now we can have confidence to enter his presence. And now we all can enter because we are all priests. Our hearts have been cleansed by the sprinkling of blood. It's because of Christ's high priestly work that we have received his righteousness. Not a righteousness of our own. And we have full assurance of faith. Our hope is secure, not because we are faithful, not because we could ever be faithful, but because Christ is faithful. And because of all this, we can stir one another up to love and good works. And so we should meet together. It's good for us to do so, so that we can encourage one another. It's good to not be alone. And God has set, as I said last week, the lonely in families. And so we should gather together. In our gatherings we are reminded of and we encourage one another in the sufficiency of Christ. We are weak. But he is strong. When we have failed, he remains faithful. It's okay to talk about the things that are really going on in our minds and hearts. As well, when others open up like this, grace will teach us not to be shocked at the things going on. We can see... Just how powerful the gospel is through allowing room for transparency and messiness. This is so we can point each other back to Christ. Paul writes about this in Romans 15:1 through 7. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let us let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. We have been set in family, chosen by God to live in relational community so that we can bear with each other's failings, to build one another up. And so when the gospel captivates a church community like this, we can live in harmony, welcoming one another in just as Christ has welcomed us. And when Christ welcomed us, he didn't welcome a future version of us, a cleaned up version of us. He welcomed us as sinners. He saved us while we were still dead in our sins and trespasses. And so we don't love a future cleaner version of each other. We love each other as we are now, encouraging one another to grow in Christ. Encouraging one another, building each other up in the gospel. Lastly, our gatherings also display the gospel. In coming together and participating in the ordinary means of grace, we display the gospel to those who don't know Christ yet. Our gatherings are primarily for believers. The family of God, the body of Christ. However, we know that as we love one another, as John thirteen thirty five says, the world will take note. They will see that this is different, and God will draw people himself to himself. By this display. How is it a display of the gospel? Follow with me here. Paul writes to Titus saying in Titus 2.14, speaking of Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Now, remember Peter's words in his first letter. First Peter two, twelve, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. One of the ways that we walk in the good works that He has for us is by loving and encouraging one another, building up one another, and by being together. This points the lost to Christ. It is countercultural to what the world has to offer. So much of the world's message is about. Kind of like isolationism. You're good enough. You, just you by yourself is good enough. Or self-sufficiency. You've got everything you you need to, to make it through today. So just uh, power through. Cowboy up. As well, the world offers its own counterfeits. We see this when Satan puts copies out there of true unity that we can have with each other in Christ. Um... There's all sorts of different ways that this looks, all sorts of different ways that Satan copies what God does in this ordinary means of grace. In gathering together where Christ is at the center and we're devoted to the gospel and one another, we speak a better word than the message of self-sufficiency and self-improvement that the world and suddenly so much of the church world has embraced. Jesus prayed for this unity. He prayed for this oneness that we would have and that it would be a testimony to the world. John 17, I encourage you to read that whole chapter, but we're going to look at verses 20 through 23. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfectly one. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. This is most clearly seen in the church and our love for one another. When we gather in the variety of ways that we gather, we show this love to the world. In this, we are also displaying to one another. And to the unbelieving world. That we by default are weak. And that Christ is strong. We need Christ and we need his body. Each other. And so our gathering is a proclamation of need. I've heard often the, the critique that "Oh, you Christians. you 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 go to church because you need a crutch. I need a whole lot more than a crutch. I need life. Because without Christ, I'm dead. I need resurrection. A crutch isn't going to do me any good. You can lay a crutch next to a dead body, that body isn't moving. We come together because we need grace. And I'm thankful that James 4 tells us that God gives more grace. And so we lay ourselves in the path of this wonderful allurement, the path of his grace. Another way to say it is that we lay down deep roots into the soil of God's grace. And so, brothers and sisters, gather, hear the good news, encourage one another, sing with one another, disciple one another, pray for one another, build each other up. This is why we gather